Hi, listeners. We have a it's special Ricky message and for you. Oh, wow. We're introducing ourselves into this. <laughs> I think they know who we are. But Look, in case you don't. These are going to be our mini rants. We're going to come on here from time to time. Vicky and I will just kind of go through a very quick rant about a specific topic. And we want to make sure you listen. Usually so you it's coming from Instagram. It, yeah, you could find it. On Instagram, in our stories, we're trying to be on there more. And then some of them will actually be turned into these mini rants that you're going to listen to right now. Enjoy. Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics, which are going to educate and empower others. And give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Welcome back. I hope you haven't been hearing too much of us, but we hope you did enjoy the bonus episode last week. Yeah, we figured, like we said, we wanted to be able to have an individual podcast episode and we thought this would be the best way to do it. And then, yeah, we just decided to drop those two. And you'll have two this week. Spoiler alert. But, yeah, we, we just wanted to – we had our conversation about deafness, gave you guys some examples of different accommodation services that we have advocated for. And next up is hearing impairment, which means an impairment in hearing. Similar to deafness, right? That's how it starts out. Impairment in hearing, whether permanent or fluctuating, that adversely affects a child's educational performance, but that is not included under the definition of deafness in this section. And then just to remind you, deafness was that impairment in the processing linguistic information that, that is you know, so affects severe. the child's educational part. Yeah, that is so right. severe. That so is you like, might have kind of a child who maybe is on the fence. This is kind of like the catch-all of if you have a hearing impairment that, you know, you didn't quite rise to the threshold of the deafness. And so we're mm-hmm. going to fall under mm-hmm. hearing impairment. And mm-hmm. so you might have teams that maybe they have other needs. Many times there's comorbidity, more than often than not, mm-hmm. there might be language implications. Maybe there's other health impairment, whatnot. And you sometimes have teams that will say like, oh, well, like, why do we need to have this as like maybe a secondary or even a primary? We have yeah. eligibility categories. And the reason this is important as all four of these low incidents are, as we are describing, is that when you have eligibility for one of these services, one of these eligibility categories, the district is required to provide additional low incident services for these students. So it is important that if you have a varying level of hearing impairment that would qualify you under hearing impairment eligibility, maybe not deafness, but hearing impairment, it is still important, even if it's secondary, so that you can ensure these low incident services, you know, are included in the IEP. And you know, so we've talked before, we talked the other day about the processing of mm-hmm. auditory information. And so a lot of times this this is what we're going to be using this eligibility category for. It may not be that there is, like, obviously there's not full deafness. There could be some hearing loss, like varying degrees. It could be that it is a processing hearing impairment that Mm. is a little bit different. So it may not be that like they failed their hearing test 
but there is an auditory processing disorder, sometimes this, if it's severe, it's significant, it can fall under the hearing impairment category. Sometimes it falls under other health impairments. So there's nuances of those, but you know, it really is dependent on that adverse effect to the educational performance. Yeah, I think it's important also to just keep track of that because it is something that may have delayed the the child in the beginning of their life. And we personally know someone that with uh, that they had a hearing aid and, you know, she shared with us that it did impact her in school throughout her entire educational career. It doesn't just, you know, go away. So that's why when you're seeing uh, people take notes or a scribe or, you know, some of these different types of services well into to high school. And then once the ADA takes over into postgraduate school, you know, it's definitely something that is useful. I, I think some other classroom accommodations that we more notably see is like reducing background noise, right? Like we're not having the child be by mm-hmm. the door, they're up front by the teacher, you, you'll see the FM systems that are used, the teacher has the microphone, which yep. I think helps everybody, not just a child with deaf yeah. hearing, you know, can the child see uh, the teacher's face, right? Another reason why they would be up more towards the front. Well, if a they really need great to one, lip read. Yes, yes. Another one that I feel like doesn't get used often enough is the pre-teaching new concepts. Like mm-hmm. we can give a preview. I think that works for, for any child, but like specifically as something that needs to be a service or, or accommodation implemented, like let's pre-teach these concepts. Right. Obviously visuals is like major as well. You know, how are we going to be providing as much visual as we can for the child, you know, get attention before speaking. These are like that one in particular, you see these on IEPs over and over and over and over. I implore you to ask, especially in middle school, if the teachers know what the accommodations are, because the blanket answer is like, oh, this is already implemented into the, this is embedded within the classroom and we're already This is something I do for all students, but like, it's like, well, really, are we, you know, implementing it appropriately for this child? Because for this child, different. The repeat rephrase. We get that, that, oh, check for understanding. Yeah. Okay. How do you specifically check for understanding for this child? Because this child actually might need you to tap on their desk and then get their attention. Well, and then there are students who have trouble hearing, so they need you to repeat it. And some teachers think, well, I'm going to rephrase it. Yeah. For those students, they need it repeated. But then there's Mm -hmm. other students who didn't understand the processing of that information. So they actually need it rephrased. So if we're not being clear on the differences between those two, we're not appropriately implementing for that child. But I also think important to note about this eligibility category is because it is talking about permit or fluctuating. So that fluctuating, Mm -hmm. it could be that it is worse for certain like tones of voice. So we often see sometimes People will say like a higher voice or a lower voice. So like a men's voice is sometimes easier than a woman's voice might be higher. Or if there's that background noise, like Vicky mentioned, but then also certain, some students can go through varying levels of like medical treatments that can make hearing loss worse or can create hearing loss. And so there's different varying levels that like over time it might get worse. So if, for instance, you're dealing with a second grader who has a level of hearing loss that you know medically may be getting worse over time, you need to be considering the need for possibly teaching ASL 
just like you would for a student who is already deaf, um, because you need to be thinking about their learning potential and how are they going to learn in middle school and high school? Are they going to need that as a tool? So something that for the team to consider, and that is that part of that low incidence disability. Yeah, I think this one is, we see this a bit more often in our line of work. You know, we've had different variant, you know, cookie ear bite in one ear, right? We've had even temporary hearing loss. Maybe the child already had an IEP or maybe they're going through something. And, you know, cancer treatments is something that we've dealt with with temporary hearing loss, which didn't really, we didn't know it was going to be temporary. And it was just, you know, something that became a low incidence and it became really the primary concern for that child. And, you know, it really, like I said, deaf and hard of hearing, like that's how everybody says deaf and hard of hearing, deaf and hard of hearing. And I think, again, we just want to remind you guys, it is its own eligibility category and for good reason. You know, we are looking to see how this is affecting the child's educational performance and what additional accommodations and services. Like I said, a lot of these accommodations, getting attention before speaking, repeat, rephrase, like you need to take the time to dissect each and every one of those give the examples. I I love in middle school and high school getting all the teachers there, even if it's not all at the same time, they can rotate. That's fine. I prefer them all there at the same time so that they can listen and learn from each other. Because one, we'll see the child, a different child in different classes. So if the one teacher is having a hard time, and they're hearing that, oh, you know, so and so like, you know, really does pay attention. Okay, so then maybe it's the subject matter. What are you doing in that class? you know, maybe you're a more dynamic speaker, you know, what is it that I can do? Oh, you know what, he sits at the back of my class. So maybe I should get him to the front. That is where we can learn and do that. When we have it in elementary school, I think the teacher shouldn't be afraid one to ask for help or additional training, help in the form of a one to one aid. We don't want the child to get prop dependent, which is the excuse that we get. However, if they're first, second grade, they're going to need a little bit of extra help. <laughs> you know, yeah. the world is already tough enough. Like this is the time that we can provide the extra support and help. So, you know, we should. I think that, you know, with our final one with visual impairment, it'll be really interesting to kind of talk about how, okay, something that we would normally have all these, you know, vision, you know, that we have visual learners, you know, how it's different with those accommodations and modifications. And that will be our next and final of this mini series. If you guys have any questions about what we've talked about so far, please send us a direct message and we can either talk about it on stories or maybe we'll get on the pod again and talk about it uh, for the next one. All right. Take it easy. Bye. Bye. Bye.